Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming Jackie Hayes. She's a certified online business manager who partners with coaches to launch and run their group programs through hustle-free launch planning and management. She also is the host of the podcast, Here's What I Learned, where she and her guests chat about the lessons they've learned while living life and running an online business. Thank you so much for being here, Jackie. This is Launching is such a big topic, so I'm so excited to dive in. I'm so happy to be here. And yes, launching is a huge topic. (laughs) I just read your bio, but I'd love to hear more in your own words of of your background and what inspired you to start your business. Sure. I think like a lot of people, um, I came to where I'm at in a very long and winding road that has many different paths, um, starting off with, you know, science education at a museum to, to now being a certified online business manager and Really what happened was I was working for a local university doing student uh, supports for graduate students when the pandemic hit. And I had dabbled with online businesses on and off through the years, but was raising a a kid and um, as a single mom. Uh, So lots on my plate (laughs) and also having a full-time job. And when the pandemic hit, they sent everybody home. And I was like thrilled because it was a job where I had like two hours of work to do a day. And the rest of the time it was just, I had to fill a seat in an office. And when you're working at home, you have so much more flexibility. So when they called us all back in, I said, no, there's no way I'm doing that again. And I found a position with an agency to subcontract as a virtual assistant, quickly learned that my clients preferred my strategy skills um, and over my implementation skills, every single one of those check-in calls where they're supposed to be handing me tasks that was just turning into strategy sessions. So I went ahead and got certified as an online business manager and started my business there and focused on launches almost from the beginning. Oh, that's amazing. And I I always love this question because people have such unique roads and paths that they take to get to their online business and to get to the thing that they're really good at. I mean, did you ever think that you'd be working with launches or online business owners at the beginning? I I had stumbled across virtual assistants like five years ago. And I had always thought, oh, that would be a great thing to do. But you know, I need health insurance and I have a mortgage and I'm raising a kid as a single mom. And it just felt too scary. And when the time came to be going back into that office for that full-time job, I was, you know, I was an empty nester. I had reduced expenses for a lot of reasons. And it just seemed like the best time. Like if there was any time in my life where I was going to be quote unquote safe to start my own business, that would be the time. Now, did I think I would be helping people with launches when I first started as a VA? I no. <laughs> that was I just thought I would be helping them get tasks done in their business so that it would be easier for them to run their businesses. So no, that wasn't that wasn't what I was expecting at all. That's great. That's great. All right. So launching is like a big word, right? Like a lot of business owners are intimidated by this process or don't quite understand what it even means. 
So how do you explain launching to someone that you're going to be working with? So to me, a launch is simply making your offer, whatever your offer happens to be available to either download, purchase, consume, if it was free or, or paid. So that's all it really is. It's telling people, hey, I have something. Do you want it? And then giving them the opportunity to purchase it or, or consume it in some way. Okay. That is a great definition. I think we can really work off of that because it, in my mind, I remember when I was newer to business, launching was, it's a production, right? And you see the greats like Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher, the people who are have been in this space for a very long time and have very big, very public launches. And that's that's intimidating to newbie business owners. So if you are just getting started or if you are about to start telling people about your offer, do you have a couple places that people can get started with launching? Well, I think, like you said, we, we see the big names out there. I have been dabbling in the online business world since Amy Porterfield was just talking about Facebook ads. And mm-hmm. that's all she was talking about. Um, and when B-School first came out with Marie Forleo, oh so I saw yes. those productions. And I have seen how they have evolved over time. And we tend to forget that these people have teams, massive budgets. Um, That's not where they started. They started small too. So it starts really with what you have around you already, the audience that you have already nurtured and built, whether that is 50 people on your email list or 5,000 people on your email list. It starts there. I was just following a coach on Instagram who made the comment that she's small. She's only got 600 people on her email list. And I thought, well, if you were doing a TED talk and 600 people showed up, that's not small. I love that analogy. In comparison Mm -hmm. to an Amy Porterfield, that might be small. But when you are launching your first offer, if you have 200 people on your list and you're really well connected with them and you have a really good open rate and a really good rapport. So they're replying to your emails, they're clicking on things and opening things that you've posted in the emails. That's more important than having a thousand people on your list and only a third of them open up the emails and nobody clicks on anything. Mm -hmm. And that's a great reminder. I love that analogy. I say that to my clients and coaching students too, of what if all those people walk into the room or what if all those people purchased? Like, could you, could you handle that? And even if everyone wanted to buy. Um, So think, I like the idea of thinking big, but also working with, with your audience, being grateful and and nurturing, as you mentioned, the audience that you, that you have that will grow naturally along the way. And when, all right, so you're going to about to launch, you create this offer, you're going to take care of the people that you got in the room. I think of launches as emails and a webinar and lots of Facebook posts, where can people make sure that this is personalized to them? What if someone says, I don't want to go live? Like that is so intimidating to me. I can't, I don't want to do it. What, what, how can we personalize launching to make sure that it's true to who you are? When I work with my clients, we tend to use personal assessments. I'm a huge personal assessment junkie. So if there is one that exists, I have probably taken it. Uh, <laughs> Not everybody is into them, but everybody knows something about themselves, whether it's their Myers-Briggs, like they're an introvert or an extrovert, whether it's their human design, their astrological sun sign, their Hogwarts house, whatever it happens to be, everybody knows something about themselves in that way. And so we use those as a basis for building out a launch plan. 
So for instance, I am currently working on a lead magnet and I'm looking at my human design and I have a sacral authority, which means I listen to my gut. It says clearly no or yes. So when I am planning my launch, before I make a decision, I stop and I ask myself, okay, gut, what do you say? And if I get a no, then that's not something I should be doing. I also have a four, six profile. So the four is specifically means that I'm best when I connect with other people. So I have looked at how do I launch in a way that I can connect with people. I can use it to foster relationships, create new ones, build the ones I have. And then my six means that I'm really good at synthesizing information and then passing it off to others. And so my entire lead magnet is based on that idea of taking information and making it consumable for others. So I'm taking from random all these different sources and all these different topics and making a quiz of things that you wouldn't think go together, but I have found a way to make them go together. So knowing who you are and building from there is far more important than following somebody else's tried and true template. I believe in that so strongly. And that's that's how I coach my clients too, right? It's just it's really making sure that things are are done in a way that's gonna make life a little bit easier for you, right? And at the end of the day, this is our business year and after you get to make that business whatever feels good and feels right for you and trusting that your audience will follow and connect with that. So I think that that's a really unique and fun way to look at the launch process and just pausing and being intentional before you just jump on and do it just like everybody else. Yep. People tend to throw spaghetti at the wall and partway through a launch, they're, they're overwhelmed and they don't know really what's working, what's not working. And one of the things they tend to forget when they start that launch is how are they going to care for themselves and their business through this time? Because no matter how well planned a launch is, you still have a big adrenaline rush and dopamine hits, and that's a lot on your nervous system. So I like to help my clients think about, well, how are you going to create a self-care plan during your launch process? That includes things like, how is laundry going to get done at home? Does it even need to get done? So do you hire out a laundry service or you just let it pile up? How about meals? How are you going to feed yourself during that time? What things in your business don't have to actually be happening during that week? Do you actually have to be sending out all the regular emails during your cart open time? Or can you say, no, those can, I don't have to worry about writing those. So make your life small during that process and find a way to build in support systems so that you can let your body rest in the down moments and not be burnt out and overwhelmed at the end when your cart closes and you're like, I never want to do that ever again. That's because you didn't care for yourself. You didn't set yourself up to have rest and play during the launch process. Mm-hmm. I've heard that, that sentiment so many times. I think that's so, so important because it's, you know, it's, and I, what I was taking notes as you were talking because it got me thinking about there's so much that can be done ahead of time. And that's really important. But remembering that that's all that work being done ahead of time is being done in addition to the day to day things that we have to do. So, you know, that's, that's adding more to the plate even before that rush has started. And then I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who actually just happened today with my team member for the academy that were like, crap, that's a really good idea. Now we got to rewrite all these, all 
lazy about it. We look good. We get inspired constantly. And we just want to make sure that we're telling a cohesive story, right? We don't want to keep kind of ping-ponging our messages, um, even as we get inspired with new ideas. Do you have any recommend- Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Please. I was going to say with that, with launches, I do recommend that you leave some space for spontaneity and inspiration. So I always say be 80% proactive. So have 80% of everything planned. And that's the essentials. Like if this doesn't happen, the launch won't work. So sales page, that has to happen. You have to have that ready to go. And whatever ways you decide to promote or tell people about your offer, whether that's emails or Instagram lives or whatever, make sure those are good to go. But then leave yourself 20% for inspiration, but also the questions that might come up. Because you'll find as you're promoting your your offer, people are going to be asking your, you questions. And if one person has asked it, there's probably 20 or 30 other people who are thinking it. And so leave yourself some space in your schedule to respond to those questions. That was exactly what my question is going to be. Is how, do we, <laughs> how do we balance that? So so yes, you, you took the words right out of my mouth because I it's important to have space for the fun, brilliant idea um, that comes to you and um, having it not look so, you know, feel so rigid, right? Right, right. Um, All right. So in our pre-call, you mentioned that you talk about the four phases of launching. Do you want to run people through those? Sure. There is the first phase, which is your clarity and your strategy. So you're getting really clear on your offer. You're getting really clear on who that offer is for how you're going to deliver it, how you're going to wow them, how that aligns to you and your business and your core values, and then really clear on what you want your launch to feel like at the end of the day. And then you create a plan or strategy around the answers that you come up with, with that clarity. Then you go into what I call connect and nurture. Some people will call that pre-launch. I call it connect and nurture because it reminds me of what I am doing during that phase, which is connecting with new audiences and nurturing the audience that I have. Now, sometimes clarity and strategy and connect and nurture will overlap. It's great to just start talking about your offer as soon as you have enough information to share. Because one of the things that we are finding in the online space is that people are needing more time to make a decision. They've been burnt by other people and other programs. And so they really need a lot more time now to build the trust. And they also need more information. So starting to tell people about your offer right away, even if you don't have all the details mapped out, is great. Bring them along on the behind the scenes of you developing the program. Show them screenshots of things. Show them copy that you're writing. So that's connect and nurture. That's the building of trust, connecting and nurturing your audience. Then you go into conversion. And this is actually what a lot of people call launch. Is that part where your cart is open, enrollment is open. You've made your product or offer available for somebody to purchase. And, you know, that can, some people will make that last for a month. But that's a lot on your nervous system. You're holding space for an entire month for people to purchase your offer. And there is a roller coaster of emotions that happens because what you're going to find is that you have early adopters and the last minute late adopters, and you don't have hardly anything in the middle. So if you wait an entire month, you could have 28 days of like silence where people are trying to decide those late adopters are just trying to decide. So I don't really suggest doing that like seven to 10 days max. Because otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to be burnt out and emotionally drained, and your brain is going to be spiraling. 
And then you have evaluation. So when you have closed your cart, you take some time to evaluate the entire launch process. You decide what worked and why, what didn't work and why. It's very important to ask yourself those whys. And then you ask yourself what lessons you learned that you want to apply to the next launch. When you take the time to evaluate your launches, you've gathered all of this data so that when you go into the clarity and strategy for your launch the next time for your second launch, you just take that with you. And then that little bit of clarity and strategy is going to be so much clearer and take so much less time than it did the very first time. And it will become shorter and shorter every single time you run your launch. That's amazing. That's such a clear and I can see it. I felt it. And especially if you've you've been around for a little while, it makes so much sense to kind of put these pieces together in that order. Uh, And I also, I, I, again, took a lot of notes, but I love what you said about telling people your offer as soon as you kind of know about it. I think for a long time, especially when I first started, it was like this, everything had to be like this big reveal, right? And it was like, when do you tell them? And then like, you're always worried about what they're going to think. And and it's this whole like, I don't know, game you play. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's, I've been around for a little bit, not a long time. But I'm like, I don't, I'm just going to tell them. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't need to like strategize this. I'm just going to like tell them because then they can tell me they don't want it. And I can save both of ourselves a lot of time and grief um, in the long run. So I, I love that. Have you have you found that people are doing well when they share those behind the scenes and um, let people in kind of you know, before they should, quote unquote? Yep. Yeah, I find that a lot of people are finding that their audience just feels more connected mm-hmm. to the offer then because they've seen it being built from the ground up. They know the questions that you've been asking yourself as you're developing it. They know the conversations that you've been having as you create it. So they know how it's been created. So they understand that it is really for them and they have a better understanding of how it can help them solve whatever problem it is that you're you're intending to solve. And also it just helps you connect as a, another human being because we buy from other humans. So they see you at work doing all of this and they see the struggles you might be having or the questions you're asking yourself or the things that you're excited about. I, for instance, am right now excited about the fact that I found a reason to use my business to buy Funko Pop statues um, so that I can use it for my leaf magnet. So people are getting behind the scenes unboxings of all these Funko Pops. (laughs) So (laughs) that puts a spin on this and that I'm a human being and look at the things that I enjoy. And that, you know, connects me to people who are like me, who are a little bit geeky, a little bit goofy, who like to play around a little bit. They know what it's going to be like to work with me because they're watching me geek out over opening up my new uh, Black Panther Funko Pop. So that's perfect. I'm so happy you said that because that's such a good reminder that there are. You know, I always say like, I'm not the only productivity coach in the world. So the people who work with me are people who connect with me, my story, my journey, like the nerdy stuff that I put. You know, like just. It, you have to connect with that person. And that's really goes back to that trust factor. And so having them see the behind the scenes, I think where I could see people pausing is, is asking themselves the question of like, but shouldn't I, that almost like that imposter syndrome, like oh, it should be perfect before I launch it. I should be that like tightened button up professional that just hands someone a beautifully delivered packaged offer. And that doesn't resonate because it doesn't feel like, where did that come from? 
you know, like that, that's what your audience is going to ask is where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, if you just drop something in their laps, you do not give them time to understand what it is to connect with it and to see that it really is something that you have created to serve and help them. Absolutely. So, okay. So you mentioned for the conversion for the launch, you said seven to 10 days max feels the best. Do you have a pre-launch timeline or is there a minimum maximum window there? It really depends on you, your audience, your offer. So if you have something that is, you know, $97 versus something that is 10K, your Mm -hmm. pre-launch does not need to last nearly as long. Um, If you have a smaller audience and you feel that you need to build your audience up a little bit before you open up your cart, then you're going to need to add more time. So it really does depend. And it depends on, you know, how many times you have launched before, whether it's this particular launch or product or offer or if it's a brand new one. So if this is an offer that you have launched three or four times before, you don't need nearly as much pre-launch time because people are already familiar with it. But if it's a brand new offer, you probably do need to add some time to that launch. If you're brand new to the space, even if you have a big audience, you need to build up trust. So you're going to need to take more time. It can take up to six months, depending on how long you have been around, the price point of your offer, and how big your audience is. But I would say anywhere from three months to a month, depending on, again, the price point of your offer. Okay. Yeah. And that's helpful. I just, again, just to have the structure because again, it's going to be, it's going to be personal, right? It has to make yep. sense for you. What else is going on? Um, but just to have those kind of boundaries in place is really helpful. I think one of the things I always ask myself is like, if you were to go to somebody and say, Hey, in three weeks, I need you to come up with 10 K, you know, are they going to be able to do that in three weeks? Now, if you go to them and say, Hey, I have something for $97. Can you find room in your budget for that in three weeks? No, some people can't, but a lot of people would be able to be come up with, with $97. But if, I was, somebody was to say to me, you know, 10K, I'd be like, I'm going to need a couple of months so that I can generate some more revenue so that I can pay for this. So I think it's also important to, to remember the different um, buyer types. And we don't have to go super deep into this, but because that's, I feel like that could be a whole other episode. Um, but I, I'm the buyer type that needs like the, the logistical pieces. Like I want to know, okay, what are we meeting? How many times kind of like, what do I get? Because if I'm, looking that means I've already kind of I already trust the results um so that's what's where I'm in but I'm also wildly impatient so I'm like I wanted to start like tomorrow so like I'm if I'm in I'm like let's do this now um and so I think also keeping people thinking about your buyer types and keeping people engaged in different ways is really important to think about too yes yes and I'm the same as you. I was like, okay, once you give me all the details and all the facts, I know right away, is it a yes or a no for me? Going back to that you know, gut instinct situation. But there are some who need more emotional information than the logistics. And there are some people who do need to take time. They're slow responders. And if we can remember that, you know, that's one of the nice things with having something like a wait list. So those people who are fast responders, you can get them on a wait list and you can be talking to them and giving, dropping hints or dropping tips along the way. So they can be taking some fast action while they wait for the cart to close and the program to start. But then you're still talking to the slower buyers who may need more time, whether that is, I need to process the logistics more, or I need to process the emotions more. 
But there's ways that you can work with all four of those buyer types. Absolutely. So I have a question too that I hear quite often is launching something that's evergreen. Because I think, again, when we think launch originally, it's like you had a new product. This is something new and fancy and exciting and ready to tell everybody. But what if you have something that's always enrolling or always available for purchase? Can you still have a launch for an evergreen product or program? Definitely. And that's actually what I do. I like to remind people, have you ever like written down, say, an affirmation on a sticky note and then put it on your mirror? And then three months go by and you realize that you have completely ignored <laughs> that post. Oh yeah, I've, I've posted a blindness for sure. Exactly. So there comes a point, like if you have something that's always available, if you're always talking about it, eventually people are going to like just skim right over that information. So I, I definitely suggest taking time off from your talking about your evergreen offer and whether that is talking about a lead magnet or your podcast or whatever it happens to be and just kind of doing mini launches or even big launches for your evergreen. So yes, it's available all the time, but let's say you do quarterly like huge events because you love throwing big parties. So have a big party quarterly. Or maybe you like small dinner parties of like three or four friends. Okay, so maybe like a week out of every month, you do some something to, to bring people in. But the other three weeks, you're talking about other things, whether that is just tips that they, you know, other ways you're providing service. So free tips, free content, your podcast, you're promoting other people who are in a similar industry that would also be helpful to your audience. So the, yeah, there's ways you can still launch an evergreen product. I think it's such a, that's really, really helpful. And it's, I don't know, again, it's just not something that's talked about quite as often because I think the goal is to get your product, you know, your potential goal could be to get your product evergreen, but then what do you do? So I think it's. I have had a lot of clients come to me that are like, well, I just, I I hate launching. So I'm just going to have an evergreen product. I'm like, oh, so you like launching every day? Because if launching is making your offer available for people to purchase, that's all it is. So if you're going to have an evergreen product, you can talk about it every single day, which means you are literally launching every single day. So most people don't want to launch every right, single day. Right. When you put it like that, it <laughs> sounds less appealing. So yep. oh, that's great. And all right, so you mentioned something too back in the very first step is really thinking about the, the clarity of your offer and then building that strategy around it. So you mentioned, I wrote down the word like the wow factor too. And to me, that kind of goes back to that trust piece too, that like why you, this offer is probably something similar is probably available in the market already. Um, so this may be a selfish question, but have you seen some great wow offers or like things that you can do to really kind of make sure that you're, you're standing out in the crowd? So one that I just joined myself a few months back, she had a wonderful open house. And if it, if you were contemplating her membership program, you had an entire day where you could go in and she had like this beautiful series of like three minute videos, like introducing you to the curriculum, how to navigate the platform, what the intentions were, some little bits of pieces of some of the modules so that you could get a taste of what the lessons were like. It was just so welcoming and so thoughtful. 
And she was also available throughout the day. So if you wanted to talk with her over on Zoom, like she had a couple of points during the day where you could hop on Zoom, ask her any questions, or if you just to like, like to explore yourself on your own, that was completely available to you too. Now, yes, that took a lot of effort for her to do that, but the sense of trust and the knowing how much she thought of her potential members and how much their experience mattered I mean, right there sold me. It, it mm-hmm. was there was no doubt in my mind. I because I, I was able to go through and see these are the things I am going to get out of this. This is how I'm going to apply these things. Here's when the calls are. Yes, they fit my schedule. And also for some of us, aesthetics of a platform really matters. If I was to get on a platform and be like, oh my god, this is overwhelming to my my visual senses or my audio uh, audio auditory senses, I can't be on this platform. Well, then I invested all of this money and now I can't consume the content because it's just, it does not suit me. So being able to go in there and try it out and be like, oh yes, this feels peaceful. This feels calm. This will be fine for me um, was wonderful as well. That's a great idea. And I, such a unique approach too. I think that's what people are looking for is how do we make this a little bit different every time. And so that's, I love that idea. And yeah, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but clearly added a lot of value um, to, to the buyer. So. And it was, it was work the first time. Mm -hmm. So it's now there, everything she created, she can use again and again and again, maybe she tweaks it a little bit based on feedback, but she's not starting over. That first launch is going to be more work than your future launches. And that's something to remember at the start. But it just keeps getting easier as time goes on. You just keep learning what worked, what didn't work, what lessons you you learned, and you tweak as you go. Great. From a practical perspective, when you are mapping out launches and helping business owners with their launch strategy, what tools do you use to keep everything organized and on track? I am a huge ClickUp Okay. Uh, fan. I enjoy using ClickUp. So that is how I keep things in tr- attract. Um, and it's a great way if, if there's multiple people on the team to be able to communicate. Uh, others are Trello, Asana, uh, some kind of project management tool. I just happen to like ClickUp a lot. Uh, Google, Google Docs, Google Drive, spreadsheets, those are always handy as well. And what I love about the project management tools is that you can link directly. So it's right there, like, okay, we need to, you know, upload these emails. Well, it's directly linked in the project management tool. So there's no losing things, I guess you could say, when mm-hmm. you're using a project management tool. And I even use it when I'm just launching for myself. It's it's a nice way to have a to-do list that I can just check off. And it sends me reminders, you know. If you have a piece of paper, the piece of paper doesn't email you and say, hey, by the way, this is due today. <laughs> so <laughs> you could use like reminders or whatever on your phone, but you could set up the project management tool to say, during this week, I am working on email content and it's due on Friday. And it will let you know in your emails or texts or notifications on your phone that this is what's going on this week. So I think having some kind of project management tool is extremely helpful, especially the more pieces and parts you put into your launch. Yeah. And I, I love it. You said that um, I'm an Asana person. I, I'm always waffling between the two in all honesty, and I tend to be more of a paper person anyway. So I will get it all set up and then I'll completely abandon it. I'm working on that. 
because what I do appreciate about those project management tools, as you mentioned, is one is the reminders. Absolutely. Because that you can't get that from a, just a big list on the wall, but also that you can, for some of them, set start dates. Because I think what's so important for your launch is exactly how you mentioned as this week is an email copywriting week. If you just have all of the emails deadline, let's say to you know April 1st, but you don't get that notification until the day before you look at your calendar mm-hmm. that week, that's not helpful. We need to be kind of pacing things out. And so I really appreciate that about project management tools is you can be more nuanced and set start dates and break things down into this their bite-sized pieces to keep yep. all of those moving pieces in track. Yeah. And depending on which tool you use, like for instance, with ClickUp, I will go into the calendar view to start with. And I'll say, I want it released on this day here. And now I know how many, you know, I can backtrack to where I currently am and fill in and say, okay, if I need to write 10 emails, how long does it usually take me to do that? And you can see the timing on things and you can map it out. And then, you know, they'll create Gantt charts for you. So you mm-hmm. could say, oh, wow. I have a lot of things that I've just assigned myself to do in this week here, but nothing over here, but that's too close to the deadline. So how do I have to spread this out? And it's a lot easier. You could do the same on a piece of, on a big giant uh, calendar too, just to get an idea of how much you are piling on yourself in any given time and see where maybe you need to give yourself some more space. Maybe you have overextended yourself. We all tend to overestimate our future capacity thinking that life will be perfect in a month or six months, and it never is. So whatever your capacity is right now, subtract a little and plan on that because you don't know if you're going to get COVID during your launch. You don't know if you know a flood is going to hit and you're in California. You don't know what's going to be happening during your launch. So underestimate your capacity instead of overestimating and then plan from that. Oh my gosh, Jackie, I feel like that's the gold. I'm going to have to like flag that moment in time in this podcast interview because I think that's that's such a good point to because we all do it, right? We all look at the whole week and think that or the month. I think the things are going to be different. You're going to wake up tomorrow, someone who is better able to focus magically. Um, so I, I talk a lot about that too because it, it's, it's not quite that easy, unfortunately. Um, And so looking at the big picture is really important there. And also kind of come up with a plan B, because if you're Mm -hmm. deciding that most of your promotion of your offer is going to be on Instagram and Instagram goes down or Instagram doesn't like you and now has kicked you off of the platform, which I know has happened to a couple Mm -hmm. of coaches. I know uh, they said a word or something and Facebook is like, nope, you can't be on here. And they're in the middle of a launch. Mm-hmm. So this is why a lot of experts is like, get your email list. And that's that's why, because you have no control if you're going to show up on social media. So have your plan B just in case your initial plan doesn't go through. Oh, yeah. Love that. Risk planning is a huge part of project management. Um, so that's that's great, too. Okay, cool. I would love to change gears a little bit and talk yes. about personal productivity. So. Yes. What does a normal day or week in your life look like? I am somebody who does time blocking, mm-hmm. but not in very detail. So not like in the 15 minute specific tasks. I will block out time that says content creation or client work or things along those lines. And it's all color coded on my Google calendar. So if you were to look at it, you would say you'd see big chunks of time for all of that. 
most of the time, Mondays and Fridays, I set aside to work on my own business. So Mondays are kind of the business admin, the CEO days type of a situation, and then catch up a little bit on things with clients that needs to be done. Fridays, I like to spend in the mornings doing some kind of development. So catching a replay on a webinar or diving into a program that I'm a part of. Uh, and then the rest of the week, the, the middle of the week is really focused on client work and connecting with new potential clients. That's lovely. I That's exactly how I would teach time blocking too. I think those 15 minute increments get, it's just, it's a little dicey, right? It's a yes. recipe for, <laughs> for stress. And if you're somebody like me, you're like, oh no, it took 20 minutes or, and now I, my whole day is ruined. <laughs> yeah, or I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, exactly. I just, I had a client when I was a VA that she's like, no, it's fine to do back to backs. And I, I was like, when exactly are you going to go to the bathroom? Because she didn't want me to put buffers on any of her calls. And I'm like, I'm not, uh, no, we're not doing that. You have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, or stretch or look away from your computer or anything. <laughs> anything. Yes, I completely agree. Um, so I think that that's a great approach to time blocking. Do you go into... With those time blocks, though, do you have a plan for what you're going to work on within that block? Like for content creation, do you do you know generally what you want to get done during that time every week? Yes. So every morning I do what I call the daily startup. So the first thing I do is some mindset work, um, look to see what my brain is doing and where it's getting in my way. Then I look at my calendar for the day and then also for the week, the rest of the week. And then I write my essential three. Like these are the three things that I have to get done today. And as long as those three things get done, the I can call the day successful. And so those, I kind of know, you know, what's going on with my clients and what I have coming up. And so I, I prioritize what has to happen today. And then anything else that happens is is gravy. It's wonderful. It's great. But I do have a, an essential three list. Awesome. I love to hear that. That's perfect. Um, and what do you do when there's like a launch emergency, right? So I always like to ask the people the questions like, great, you got this beautiful plan. What happens when things go awry? When launches are well-planned, there are far fewer emergencies. Fair enough. And the emergencies are not as dramatic as they could be. So a lot of times those, and there'll be things like an email went out duplicate. And there's really not much you can do after that. You know, you're just like, okay, the two of those emails went out. Uh, Let's just look to see what the glitch happened to be so that we don't have that happen again. If there is a launch emergency, then obviously the schedule is going to have to shift a little bit. And I'm one of those people that works ahead. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm one of those people I'd rather get it done Mm -hmm. and then I can go on to other things. And so usually my essential three are not like they have to be done today. There's very few times of that. I tend to work ahead because we have well planned, my clients and I have well planned things out. So I know what's coming up on my calendar. So I can make space. I also make space in my calendar for what might be called catch up. So I don't have it so planned that there isn't room for the unexpected. So I'm able to shift things. I'm also somebody who puts a big block of time in the middle of my day to go to the gym. <laughs> so mm. If I have an emergency, well, then the gym can happen later in the day or it can happen tomorrow. So there's always space for me to be able to juggle. I love the idea of a catch-up time. And I, that also helps when when you do spill out of that time block, right? When something does unexpectedly, you know, having a weird little tech glitch or there's just something that's causing it to go a little bit longer than you expected. It means that your whole day doesn't have to be screwed up, right? Because it can it can be wrapped up 
somewhere else. And um, I think that that's, that's a really, really good point. And I'm glad that you also, I use the word emergency kind of loosely, right? Because at the end of the day, like, we're not actually like doing brain surgery. So there's an important perspective. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even if your sales page goes down in the middle of launch, yes, that's a huge emergency. But guess what? You can send out a link directly to your your payment processor if you have to, to your email list and say, mm-hmm. hey, my, my, my page went down. I have seen seven-figure coaches have their sales pages go down during a launch and they still had a successful launch. So Mm -hmm. there's always, when you plan out, you also think about those contingencies of like, okay, if our sales page goes down, what do we do? Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it ahead of time, it's less stressful when it does happen because you know what to do. Because it will. Something Mm -hmm. will go wrong. (laughs) So it's life. It's how it goes. All right. My last question about this, and then we'll transition to the rapid fire where people can find you. But how do you keep your clients on track? Because it's great that you're all rolling and organized, but you're not writing those emails. You're not putting the sales page together. So how do you keep your clients on track? Uh, Lots of Voxer messages. (laughs) I have one client, no, two clients that every Monday they get an email that says, this is what's happening this week. And this is what I need from you and when, and, and then just staying on track on top of that. I find that I, I, I have a tendency to work with individuals that have vision, they're visionaries, but they also have a bit of a squirrel brain. But when you give them the task at hand, they can focus. So to give them a long list of, I need these 20 things before the launch is done, it's too much. But if I can say, by Tuesday, I need this, and maybe one or two other things, then they that's consumable, and they can handle that, and then they can focus. So it's when you're like, I have 500 things for you to do in the next five weeks. I can't even keep track of that. Sure. So it's the bite-sized chunks. So if even if it has to be a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday list, that's what happens. So that's great. And again, it just goes back to the personalization piece of it, right? And understanding how your clients work, how they prefer to be, kind of have their feet held to the flame if they need to. And I think that that's what makes coaching really, really fun when we get to know them. Um, all right. So some rapid fire questions. Are you a morning person or a night person? I am a morning person, slow morning person. I I wake up early so I can slowly start my day. (laughs) Love that. Yes, absolutely. All right. Paper and pen or all digital? I am actually a little bit of both. I use most everything in digital, but each day, my essential three that I told you about, those are written down on a piece of paper. And I I like the physical checking them off. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's a very powerful motivator. I love that. Exactly. And what is your favorite way of um, self-care, practicing self-care? Oh, that would probably be spending time with my friends. Uh, I have found that just, you know, a few hours of time with my friends, my group of friends, we've been friends for 25 years. We've been through everything. Our conversations wander all over the place. And I never laugh harder or more than when I'm with them. So spending time with my friends. Oh, that's important. People are important. I love that. All right, Jackie, where can people find you if they're ready for the next launch and say, okay, I got to get it together. I need Jackie to help me. Where can they reach you? Yep. So they can head on over to my website. It's JackieHayes.online and they can check me out there. All my offers are there. 
sign up for my email list. I send out a lot of emails about launch tips, but I also share a very transparent business report every month that goes into all the details of where I got my money, how much money, how I spent my money, my mindset throughout the month. And I have found that people have really responded to those emails and I've gotten a, a lot of really good feedback from those. Love the transparency. That's awesome. Wish everybody did something like that. <laughs> Cool. That will all be in the show notes. This was such a fun conversation. I feel like I learned a ton. Like I said, I was taking notes. So I really appreciate it. Um, And I encourage everybody to go check you out. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.